Hello, and welcome to episode two of Global Lithium Q&A. The reception in the market uh, from episode one was strong enough that I've decided to do an episode two and see how that goes. Uh, fortunately, I got a lot of good questions after episode one. I'm only going to deal with four of them tonight and uh, one rapid fire question. So trying to keep this short and sweet, I will get started. Question one comes from Michael. What are your thoughts on LME fast markets, 99.5% prices with respects to the real contracts being prices for 99.9%? And the reason I'm answering this is just because it shows some of the misunderstanding of both what fast markets or a benchmark is doing and what the market really uh, is demanding. And this, this question shows that, you know, obviously uh, Michael believes that what fast markets is putting out as a 99.5 price is not really reflective of actual contracts that he believes are 99.9. And, you know, I would just, first of all, say that most of the battery quality material sold is not 99.9. And I think the focus on the 99.5 or 99.6 or 99.9 is the wrong thing to be looking at. I've, I've said this on the long form Global Lithium podcast several times, but I'm going to repeat it here. The important thing isn't what's in the 99.5. The important thing is what's in the 0.5 or what's in the 0.4 remainder or what's in the 0.1 remainder. The constituents in the impurities and the consistency of the impurities and the le- having low levels of the, the, the key uh, impurities that you don't want is key. And it's, it's not being 99.5 doesn't make it battery quality because if you have the wrong things in the 0.5, it can render the 99.5 mute. Um, I would direct listeners that want a longer answer to the question to uh, the Dr. Yuan Gao episode of the Global Lithium Podcast where we talk in depth about this issue. And Yuan does a really good job of, of saying, talking about what's important to the cathode makers. But the fact of the matter is, um, if we go into really what the LME or what benchmark or what fast markets is trying to do, I think all those things are great. But I would also say that when we're talking about pricing, I would ask you to take a look at what Garrett Fueling has written on LinkedIn. And I think the title of his post was, lithium pricing change required question mark. And he talks a lot about some of the things that that, that I've been talking about for several years is that this market is not a commodity market. This market, there's a lot of different specifications, different cathode makers, even for the same cathode, have different focuses on what they're worried about impurity-wise, morphology-wise, particle size-wise, et cetera, et cetera. So that coming up with a 99.5 price, even if it's an act, a relatively accurate reflection 
of what the average 99.5 grade is selling for doesn't tell the whole story. And uh, again, I, I mean, I think what Benchmark's doing and Fast Market's doing is all positive for the industry. But as Fast Market's been writing about recently about the commoditization of lithium, I think that's dead wrong. Uh, I think that I, I would direct you to the, the Paul Graves episodes. He's CEO of Livent. Uh, on the Global Lithium podcast, where he talks about how the market is actually becoming more and more nuanced in terms of the specification, not more and more commodity-like. But uh, I'm not sure if that answers your question to your satisfaction, Michael, but that's my perspective on uh, LME, fast markets, benchmark, you know, their pricing versus what's really going on in the market. Again, all positive with with trying to bring more uh, clarity on what pricing is, but it's still not a situation where you're going to have a, a one price situation for a 99.5 or any other grade. So with that, I will move to question number two from Chris which is what are my thoughts on Russia's efforts to move into lithium in Chile? And this is really was driven by an article in Financial Times. And as much as I respect Financial Times as a publication, uh, they really dropped the ball on this one because they used a clickbait headline that basically said the Russians are trying to buy a massive lithium mine in Chile couple of problems with that. They showed a picture of the Atacama and, you know, existing lithium operations, which really kind of created the impression that the Russians were either trying to buy SQM or Albemarle, which is not the case. Uh, they're trying to buy a junior, and I'm not even going to name the junior because the junior is so far away from having a path to production that I don't want to give them <clears throat> any credibility by talking about them specifically. You can find the FT article and read it for yourself if you'd like. But um, I don't think uh, in this case, the article was was worthy of too much discussion. But since the question was asked, I'm going to answer it. I also will say that Russia does have a proud uh, history in the lithium industry. They've been produ producing good quality product, especially hydroxide uh, and lithium metal for decades. And, uh, you know, they, they're not strong on the raw materials or the resource side, but they have always been able to produce uh, a, a fairly significant amount of high quality material. Uh, and that goes back to the nuclear programs that the Russians had, the Chinese had, and then of course the United States had, which was kind of the genesis of the lithium industry four or five, five decades ago. So hopefully that answers your question, Chris. I don't think much of the story about Russia entering into lithium in Chile. Question number three is from Sebastian. When will the bear market end? And I, it's a good question. Uh, I do a lot of expert calls and, you know, i done seven in the last five days and uh you know a, 
a lot of the a lot of the questioning is are we at the bottom? A lot of people that were looking at the industry are looking at investing a couple of years ago or are now thinking, well, maybe maybe we're at the bottom and maybe it's a good time to get in. Um, as I say on episode 50 of the Global Lithium podcast, I'm not calling the bottom. And uh, I, I would direct you for a, a longer answer to that episode of the podcast. But I will just simply say that um, I think we're near a bottom. I'm, I don't... I'm not enough of a lithium seer to say that we're at the bottom, but I think uh, once we hit bottom, we're probably going to stay at that level or near that level for 9, 12, 15 months. I'm not sure uh, when sentiment will turn and things will start to move up, but I do think that what what people are really waiting for is to see... um, a much stronger uh, suite of EV models available. That it, it uh, is not just China and Tesla. That it's a a, a broader base of uh, different car makers bringing in models that people are buying. Um, was interested to see that LG is now saying they believe that uh, EV penetration. Is going to be 15% in 2024, 15%, uh, even if, if you take a 50 kilowatt hour battery and 15% EV penetration, you have a very large number of battery quality lithium chemicals that would be needed to support that. And I do not believe that the lithium industry has had enough investment to even do 10% EV penetration in 2025, let alone 2024, because if EVs had 15% penetration in 2024, it would mean that the lithium chemicals would have to have been available in 2023. And we simply have seen a drying up of investment in lithium chemicals. I grant you that there is currently a significant oversupply of spodumene concentrate, but you cannot make cathode with spodumene concentrate. You can only make cathode with reasonable quality lithium chemicals. And, uh, why we may have a, even at the low end of the lithium chemical market, we may have an oversupply right now. High quality, battery quality lithium chemicals are probably in balance or a little bit, slightly oversupplied right now. But when we look at going from 270,000 tons of lithium demand in 2018 to between 800,000 and a million, depending on whether they like SQM or Albemarle's number, in 2025, and almost all that growth is battery, we haven't had the investment that will get us there. And that is a significant problem. Final question is, Joe, why do you consistently mention hydroxide shelf life when I've never heard anybody talk about carbonate shelf life before? And that's a really simple, quick answer. Lithium carbonate does not, if it's properly stored, it doesn't have a shelf life issue. And as we see more and more lithium hydroxide capacity being built and a growing demand for high nickel cathodes, it's going to cause much more complexity in the supply chain because lithium hydroxide has significant issues. Shelf life issues, you don't want to use lithium hydroxide that was manufactured 
more than 12 months and preferably less. And that sounds like a long time, but when you have a long supply chain and you have the vagaries of the market, that will cause an issue. There's also issues in how you store lithium hydroxide, how you, how you package lithium hydroxide. Lithium hydroxide has to be very well packaged or carbonation will begin to take place because of the oxygen entrapment in the packaging. Uh, one more issue uh, I will raise is that oftentimes now, uh, cathode makers want to have a ground lithium hydroxide product. A ground lithium hydroxide product exacerbates all the problems normal lithium hydroxide has. And if, if any of you have ever been in a lithium hydroxide manufacturing facility, you know that if you take a deep breath, you don't want to stay there very long because lithium hydroxide's very uh, breathing uh, particles in the air is very uh, irritating. Uh, so it's, it's a totally different uh, experience than being around a relatively innocuous lithium carbonate product. Uh, so we have a situation now where the more grinding that's needed, the shorter the shelf life is going to be, even if you're packaging it with an inert gas purge in the packaging. So I don't want to use too much jargon. I, I realize the, the audience has a widely varying understanding of, of the, the industry. So just suffice it to say that lithium hydroxide is much more problematic from storage, packaging, um, and you know the shorter shelf life is going to exacerbate the need as more and more capacity gets built. If you have an oversupply of hydroxide, there's going to be a strong bias for producers to discount the product to get it into the market so they don't have to hold it. Because the longer they have to hold it, the less valuable it's going to become because a shrewd buyer is not going to want to buy 11-month-old lithium hydroxide. Um, so those are some of the issues. I will um, leave it at that. If people have more nuanced questions, they can always DM me and I will deal with that in another one of these sessions. And now I'll get to the rapid fire question, which is pretty simple. They, whoever sent this to me, well, I know who sent it to me, but um, on the Global Lithium Podcast, we often ask a question that if you had a billboard that you could uh, print something or your billboard would say whatever you wanted to, but everybody on earth could read it in their own language. What would your billboard say? And this is not an original thought by me. This is something that several other people have said over the past few years that I've listened to podcasts and heard, but it's, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So choose those people carefully. I think that's great advice. And with that, I will close episode two at 15 minutes and 27 seconds.